Section 4 of Report of the Presidential Task Force on Market Mechanisms. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recorded by Patrick McAfee, Merritt, Iowa. Chapter 4. The Market Break. Introduction. On Wednesday morning, October 14, 1987, the U.S. equity market began the most severe one-week decline in its history. The Dow stood at over 2,500 on Wednesday morning. By noon on Tuesday of the next week, it was just above 1,700, a decline of almost one-third. Worse still, at the same time on Tuesday, the S&P 500 futures contract would imply a Dow level near 1,400. This precipitous decline began with several triggers which ignited mechanical, price-insensitive selling by a number of institutions following portfolio insurance strategies and a small number of mutual fund groups. The selling by these investors and the prospect of further selling by them encouraged a number of aggressive trading-oriented institutions to sell in anticipation of further declines. These aggressive trading-oriented institutions included, in addition to hedge funds, a small number of pension and endowment funds, money management firms, and investment banking houses. This selling in turn stimulated further reactive selling by portfolio insurers and mutual funds. Selling pressure in the futures market was transmitted to the stock market by the mechanism of index arbitrage. Throughout the period, trading volume and price volatility increased dramatically. This may suggest that a broad range of investors all decided to reduce their positions in equities. In reality, a limited number of investors played the dominant role during this tumultuous period. The Days Before the Break, October 14th to 16th. Wednesday, October 14th. The stock market's break began with two events which contributed to a revaluation of stock prices and triggered the reactive selling which would exacerbate the decline the following week. At 8.30 a.m. Eastern Time, the government announced that the merchandise trade deficit for August was $15.7 billion, approximately $1.5 billion above the figure expected by the financial markets. Within seconds, traders in the foreign exchange markets sold dollars in the belief that the value of the dollar would have to fall further before the deficit could narrow. The German Deutschmark and the Japanese yen rose dramatically in value. Treasury bond traders, fearing that a weakening dollar could both discourage international investment in U.S. securities and stimulate domestic inflation, sold on the London market and on the U.S. bond market when it opened. The Treasury's bellwether 30-year bond, 
began to trade above a 10% yield for the first time in two years. Equity returns at current levels became even less attractive compared to returns on bonds. The second event was the announcement early Wednesday that members of the House Ways and Means Committee were filing legislation to eliminate tax benefits associated with the financing of corporate takeovers. While rumors of the legislation had been circulating on Wall Street for several weeks, its actual announcement had a galvanizing effect on investors, particularly risk arbitrageurs who specialize in buying shares of takeover candidates. As risk arbitrageurs came to appreciate the seriousness of the legislative initiative, they began to liquidate their positions, collapsing the prices of takeover shares. These stocks had led the bull market up, and now, during the week of October 14th to October 20th, they would begin to lead it back down again. In response to these events, the equity market declined immediately on Wednesday's opening. The S&P 500 futures contract fell sharply as trading-oriented investors sold. This was followed by large block sales of individual stocks on the New York Stock Exchange as institutions joined the selling. The Dow dropped 44 points in the first half hour. During this period, Index Arbitrage Program sales through the NYSE's Designated Order Turnaround DOT Automated Execution System totaled almost $200 million, which was 18% of volume, double the normal level. Index arbitrageurs attempt to profit from price differences in futures and stocks, either by simultaneously buying futures and selling baskets of stock, or vice versa. This arbitrage activity usually has the effect of eliminating the price differences. It also transfers buying or selling pressure between the futures market and the stock market. The morning decline was followed by another 45-point decline between 12.15 p.m. and 1.15 p.m. This midday decline was the result mainly of selling in the futures market by portfolio insurers, and then the transmission of this selling activity back into the stock market by the actions of index arbitrageurs who bought futures and sold stocks. Index arbitrage activity during the hour was $300 million, almost 25% of volume. Portfolio insurance, a strategy using computer-based models, computes optimal stock cash ratios at various market price levels. Rather than buying and selling stocks as the market moves, most portfolio insurers adjust the stock cash ratio within their clients' investment portfolios by trading index futures. Indeed, several major portfolio insurance vendors 
are authorized to trade only futures and have no access to their clients stock portfolios at the end of wednesday there was a sell-off by trading-oriented institutions institutional sellers moved large blocks in the stock market and sold futures as well in the last half hour the dow fell seventeen points index arbitrage sales were one hundred forty million dollars fifteen percent of volume for the day the dow was down an historic ninety five points on volume of two hundred seven million shares of this volume index arbitrage sales through dot were one point four billion dollars seventeen percent of volume or twice the normal level the twenty largest nyse member firms sold as principal six hundred eighty nine million dollars of stock trading oriented investors in the futures market were net sellers of about five hundred million dollars portfolio insurance selling was heavy particularly in early and mid-afternoon thursday october fifteenth selling in tokyo and london overnight continued the pattern seen in new york and chicago on wednesday when the u s markets opened they were greeted by heavy selling from portfolio insurers during the first half hour this group sold approximately two thousand five hundred futures contracts three hundred and eighty million dollars more than twenty six percent of public volume the dow opened twenty points down on heavy volume of forty eight million shares in the first half hour with approximately sixty percent of the trading in large blocks of ten thousand shares or more even with the opening drop in the dow the futures went to a discount despite the opening the dow recovered during the day and was down only four points at three thirty p m in the last thirty minutes of trading however it fell another fifty three points to close down fifty seven points for the day this sharp decline on heavy volume so late in the day bewildered investors broad-based selling by futures market participants including portfolio insurers led the fall and index arbitrage activity quickly followed to bring the stock market into line index arbitrage amounted to almost one hundred seventy five million dollars in stock sales on the nyse and straight selling of stock baskets amounted to another one hundred million dollars together the two trading strategies accounted for approximately one quarter of the last half hour's volume on the nyse throughout the day a concentration of trading activity was evident 
seven aggressive trading institutions sold a total of just over $800 million of stocks, about 9% of NYSE volume. Friday, October 16. Despite the sell-off at the close on Thursday in the U.S., trading in Tokyo on Friday was quiet. London was closed because of a freak hurricane. Trading in the U.S. markets Friday was affected strongly by the expiration of options on several stock indices. A few firms noted for trading heavily in options were major participants on both sides of the futures market. Because the marked decline in stock prices had made it difficult for options traders to hedge effectively in the options market, much of their activity spilled into the futures market, where they sold futures as a hedge. In so doing, they responded in a manner similar to the reactive decisions of portfolio insurers. All told, Options traders accounted for 7% of gross selling and 6% of gross buying in the futures market. The stock market was relatively quiet until 11 a.m. with the Dow down only 7 points when futures selling by portfolio insurers picked up significantly running over 2,000 contracts or $300 million of stock an hour. Index arbitrageurs quickly transmitted this pressure to the stock market, selling $183 million of stock, 18% of NYSE volume. The Dow fell 30 points. The stock market rallied briefly, but then plummeted 70 points between noon and 2 p.m., Index arbitrage selling was active, accounting for about 16% of NYSE volume between 1 p.m. and 2 p.m. Large block transactions accounted for about half the volume in the 30 stocks making up the Dow. After a technical trading rally fizzled at about 2.30 p.m., the decline quickened in the last half hour of trading. Between 3.30 p.m. and 3.50 p.m., the Dow fell 50 points, then recovered 22 points in the last 10 minutes of trading. During this last half hour, index arbitrageurs had gross sales of $620 million of stock, and institutions sold $151 million of stock baskets. Together, this $771 million of stock sales through the DOT system made up 45% of NYSE sales volume during this period. The Dow was off 108 points, the largest one-day drop ever, on volume of 338 million shares. Sales by aggressive trading institutions were especially heavy and concentrated. 
Four of them sold over $600 million of stock in total. To put this in perspective, an investor transacting $10 million on a normal day would be considered an active trader. Portfolio insurers and index arbitrageurs were also active. Five of the top seven net sellers in futures were portfolio insurers. As a group, they accounted for sales equivalent to $2.1 billion of stock, 17% of the non-market maker future sales. Index arbitrageurs transmitted $1.7 billion of selling pressure to the stock market. The three days in perspective. During October 14th to 16th, the Dow fell by over 250 points. The selling was triggered primarily by two proximate causes, disappointingly poor merchandise trade figures, which put downward pressure on the dollar in currency markets and up pressure on long-term interest rates, and the filing of anti-takeover tax legislation, which caused risk arbitrageurs to sell stocks of takeover candidates, resulting in their precipitate decline and a general ripple effect throughout the market. The market's decline created a huge overhang of selling pressure, enough to crush the equity markets in the following week. This overhang was concentrated within two categories of reactive sellers, portfolio insurers and a few mutual fund groups, and exacerbated by the actions of a number of aggressive trading-oriented institutions selling in anticipation of further declines. An example may help illustrate the extent of the portfolio insurance overhang by Friday's close. One portfolio insurance client had followed exactly the instructions of its advisor during the Wednesday to Friday period. Over the weekend, the advisor informed the client that, based on Friday's market close, it should sell on Monday 70% of its remaining equities in order to conform to the parameters of the insurance model. This is, of course, an extreme example, but the typical portfolio insurance model calls for stock sales in excess of 20% of a portfolio in response to a 10% decline in the market. Various sources indicate that 60 to $90 billion of equity assets were under Portfolio Insurance Administration at the time of the market break. Two consequences were evident. First, portfolio insurers were very active sellers during the Wednesday to Friday period. In the futures market, where they concentrated their activity during this week, they sold the equivalent in stocks of approximately $530 million on Wednesday, $965 million on Thursday, and $2.1 billion on Friday.
Second, they approached Monday with a huge amount of selling already dictated by their models. With the market already down 10%, their models dictated that, at a minimum, $12 billion, 20% of $60 billion, of equities should already have been sold. Less than $4 billion had in fact been sold. A small number of mutual fund groups were also confronted with an overhang. These funds had designated strategies which made it easy for customers to redeem mutual fund shares. On Friday alone, customer redemptions at these funds exceeded fund sales of stock by $750 million. These customers were entitled to repayment based on market prices at the close on Friday. These funds also received substantial redemption requests over the weekend. The activities of a small number of aggressive trading-oriented institutions both contributed to the decline during this week and posed the prospect of further selling pressure on Monday. These traders could well understand the strategies of the portfolio insurers and mutual funds. They could anticipate the selling those institutions would have to do in reaction to the market's decline. They could also see those institutions falling behind in their selling programs. The situation presented an opportunity for these traders to sell in anticipation of the forced selling by portfolio insurers and mutual funds, with the prospect of repurchasing at lower prices. During this period, these trading-oriented institutions were active, typically on both sides of the market, and often on the same day. On Thursday, seven of these trading-oriented institutions sold a total of just over $800 million of stocks, 9% of NYSE volume. The same institution was the fourth largest seller of stocks and the second largest buyer. This institution also ranked third and fourth, respectively, in future sales and purchases and was active in options trading. On Friday, seven aggressive trading-oriented institutions sold more than $100 million each. Four of the seven also bought more than $100 million. That day, traders as a group sold $1.4 billion of stocks and bought $1.1 billion. Their activities on these days were a prelude to Monday's sell-off. Index arbitrage was active throughout the three-day period to transmit selling pressure from the futures market to the stock market. But as several charts make apparent, 
it was the timing of arbitrage activities rather than the aggregate daily level, which had specific impact on the stock market. Heavy index arbitrage activity was most often coincident with substantial intraday stock market moves. Monday, October 19th. In Tokyo, the Nikkei index, Japan's equivalent of the Dow, fell 2.5%. Investors in London sold shares heavily, and by midday, the market index there was down 10%. Selling of U.S. stocks on the London market was stoked by some U.S. mutual fund managers who tried to beat the expected selling on the NYSE by lightening up in London. One mutual fund group sold just under $90 million of stocks in London. Selling activity shifted to the U.S. when the equity markets opened. At 9.15 a.m., the MMI futures opened down 2.5% from an already weak close on Friday. Fifteen minutes later, the S&P 500 futures also opened down under heavy selling pressure by portfolio insurers. During the first half hour of trading, a few portfolio insurers sold futures equivalent to just under $400 million of stocks, 28% of the public volume. By the scheduled 9.30 a.m. opening on the NYSE, specialists faced large order imbalances. In the dot system alone, almost $500 million of market sell orders were loaded before the market opened. Of this total, $250 million were sales by index arbitrageurs responding to an apparent record futures discount. The remaining $250 million included straight sell programs by a few portfolio insurers permitted by their clients to sell stocks as well as futures. This group would sell more or less consistently from the opening to the closing bell. There were also large sell orders on the floor for blocks of individual stocks by a small number of mutual funds. Faced with this massive order imbalance, many specialists did not open trading in their stocks during the first hour. Nevertheless, volume was impressive. In the first half hour alone, about $2 billion crossed the tape. Of this total, about $500 million, roughly 25% of volume in this period, came from one mutual fund group. Slightly less came from the execution of orders in the DOT system for index arbitrageurs and portfolio insurers. In addition, even as these trades were being executed through DOT, another 500 million of sell orders were being loaded into the system backlog. Thus, 
sell orders from a few institutional traders overwhelmed the stock market at the opening. During the first hour, the reported levels of the S&P and Dow indices reflected out-of-date Friday closing prices for the large number of stocks, which had not yet been opened for trading. The result was an apparent record discount for the futures relative to stocks. Based on this apparent discount, index arbitrageurs entered sell-at-market orders through DOT, planning to cover by later purchases of futures at lower prices. However, specialists ultimately opened their stocks at sharply lower levels, in line with the prices at which futures had opened earlier. As this fact became evident, index arbitrageurs realized they had sold stock at prices lower than expected. By 10.30 a.m., when most stocks had opened, the Dow was around 2,150 compared with the Friday close of near 2,250. Starting around 10.50 a.m., these arbitrageurs rushed to cover their positions through purchases of futures. The result was an immediate rise in the futures market. By 11 a.m., futures were at a premium, and the stock market, in turn, began an hour-long rally. Even as the futures and then the stock markets rallied, one portfolio insurance client began to modify its selling strategy in response to the anticipated volume of sales. On previous days and during the first hour of Monday, this institutional investor had relied on futures sales as the method to increase its cash position. Around 10.30 a.m., this institution augmented futures sales with straight stock-sell programs through DOT. These sales of stock baskets by this institution would ultimately continue in 13 waves of almost $100 million each until about 2 p.m. and total just under $1.1 billion. Thus, one hour into the trading day, two mechanisms were operating at high volume through DOT to transmit futures selling pressure to the stock market, index arbitrage, and the diversion of portfolio insurance sales from the futures market into straight stock sell programs. In New York, the stock exchange traded about $21 billion of stock. In Chicago, the CME traded futures equivalent to almost $20 billion, of which about 50% was trading by public customers, including trading by specialists and market makers Almost $41 billion of stock, or equivalent futures, was traded on these exchanges. The selling pressure in futures led to discounts of historic size. 
In response to these huge discounts, three mechanisms came into play to transmit selling pressure from futures to stocks. First, index arbitrage executed $1.7 billion of program sales through DOT, matched by equivalent futures purchases. Second, there were additional straight program sales of stock equal to $2.3 billion. Most of this was portfolio insurance selling diverted from the futures market to the stock market by the large discount. Taken together, arbitrage programs and straight sell programs totaled $4 billion, almost 20% of the sales on the first 600 million share day in the NYSE's history. These program sales would no doubt have been even higher if the DOT system had functioned more effectively after 2 p.m. Third, some undeterminate portion of the $41 billion of purchases was diverted from more expensive stocks to cheaper futures. Starting around 11.40 a.m., portfolio insurance sales overwhelmed the rally. Between then and 2 p.m., the Dow fell from 2,140 to 1,950, a decline of just under 9%. The last 100 points of this decline occurred after reports began circulating that the NYSE might close. The break below 2,000 was the first time this level had been penetrated since January 7, 1987. Over these two hours, the futures index fell 14.5%. Portfolio insurance activity intensified. Between 11.40 a.m. and 2 p.m. in the futures market Portfolio insurers sold approximately 10,000 contracts, equivalent to about $1.3 billion, and representing about 41% of futures volume exclusive of market makers, in other words, locals. In addition, portfolio insurers authorized to sell stock directly sold approximately $900 million in stocks on the NYSE during this period. In the stock and futures markets combined, portfolio insurers contributed over $3.7 billion in selling pressure by early afternoon. Throughout most of this period, Index arbitrage had succeeded in transmitting futures selling pressure back to the stock market. After about 2 p.m., index arbitrage slowed because of concerns about delays in DOT and the consequent ineffective execution of basket sales. Another source of sales through DOT stopped at around 2 p.m., when the one institution which had already sold 
13 baskets of stock, each worth under just $100 million, discontinued its sell program. Up until this hour, index arbitrage and straight program selling totaled $3.2 billion. Relieved of these selling pressures, the stock market enjoyed a brief respite. The Dow rallied back to the psychologically important 2,000-point level by 2.45 p.m. The result of the withdrawal of some index arbitrage and diverted portfolio insurer sales from the DOT system was that neither mechanism was sufficient to keep the stock and futures markets from disconnecting. Enormous discounts of futures relative to stocks were free to develop as the futures market plummeted, disconnected from the stock market. The rest of Monday afternoon was disastrous. Heavy futures selling continued by a few portfolio insurers. In the last hour and one half of futures trading, these institutions sold 6,000 contracts, the equivalent of $660 million of stock. With some index arbitrageurs unwilling to sell stock through DOT, they also withdrew from the futures side of their trading, denying buying support to the futures market, allowing it to fall to a discount of 20 index points. In addition, the appearance of this dysfunctionally large discount inhibited buyers in the stock market. With these stock buyers gone, the Dow sank almost 300 points in the last hour and one quarter of stock trading to close at 1,738. Portfolio insurance futures selling continued even after stocks closed. All told, Monday, October 19, was perhaps the worst day in the history of U.S. equity markets. By the close of trading, the Dow index had fallen 508 points, almost 23% on volume of 604 million shares worth just under $21 billion. Even worse, the S&P 500 futures had fallen 29% on total volume of 162,000 contracts, valued at almost $20 billion. This record volume was concentrated among relatively few institutions. In the stock market, the top four sellers alone accounted for $2.85 billion, or 14% of total sales. The top 15 sellers as a group accounted for $4.1 billion, or about 20% of total sales. The top 15 buyers purchased $2.2 billion, almost 11% of total volume. In the futures market, the top 10 sellers accounted for sales equivalent to $5 billion, 
roughly 50% of the non-market maker total volume. The contribution of a small number of portfolio insurers and mutual funds to the Monday selling pressure is even more striking. Out of total NYSE sales of just under $21 billion, sell programs by three portfolio insurers made up just under $2 billion. Block sales of individual stocks by a few mutual funds accounted for another $900 million. About 90% of these sales were executed by one mutual fund group. In the futures market, portfolio insurer sales amounted to the equivalent of $4 billion of stocks, or 34,500 contracts, equal to over 40% of futures volume, exclusive of locals' transactions. $2.8 billion was done by only three insurers. In the stock and futures markets together, one portfolio insurer sold stock and futures with underlying values totaling $1.7 billion. Huge as this selling pressure from portfolio insurers was, it was a small fraction of the sales dictated by the formulas of their models. Tuesday, October 20th. Overnight, the Tokyo and London stock markets declined dramatically, falling just under 15%. In the U.S., the Federal Reserve issued a statement just before the equity markets opening that it would provide needed liquidity to the financial system. On U.S. equity markets, the start of trading Tuesday stood in marked contrast to Monday. Both stock and futures markets opened with dramatic rises. On the NYSE, many stocks could not open due to buy-side order imbalances. The majority of these imbalances were made up of market orders primarily from value-oriented investors and traders with short stock or futures positions. The NYSE specialists, burdened with more than $1 billion in stock inventories at Monday's close, opened stocks at higher levels and reduced their inventories. In the first hour, the Dow Index rose just under 200 points. In the futures market, the S&P 500 contract opened up 10% at 223. Buying pressure came from aggressive trading-oriented institutions who wanted to buy the market but were unsure how quickly they could get execution on the NYSE. Buying pressure also came from traders wanting to close out short positions after hearing rumors about the financial viability of the CME's clearinghouse. These rumors were unfounded, although two New York investment banks 
had to wait until late in the afternoon before receiving variation margin payments totaling about $1.5 billion from the CME Clearinghouse. The rumors did affect Tuesday's trading, with futures volume dropping 22% below Monday's level. The morning rally in the futures market ended abruptly at 10 a.m., as heavy selling by portfolio insurers and traders overwhelmed buying. Portfolio insurance selling in the first hour totaled the equivalent of almost $900 million of stock. The futures contract quickly moved to an enormous discount, as large as 40 index points, as the market went into freefall, plummeting 27% between 10 a.m. and 12.15 p.m. By the end of this period, portfolio insurance sales for the day totaled the equivalent of $1.75 billion of stock. By the end of the day, it added up to 40% of futures activity of public sellers. At its low, the S&P 500 futures contract price implied a Dow level of about 1400 Contributing greatly to this freefall was the lack of index arbitrage buying, which would normally have been stimulated by the huge discount of futures to stock. At its opening, the NYSE had prohibited broker-dealers from using the DOT system to execute index arbitrage orders for their own accounts. As on Monday afternoon, the primary linkage between the two markets had been disconnected. The stock market also ran out of buying support by mid-morning and began to follow the futures market down. Although individual stocks were opening and closing again at various times all morning and early afternoon, Record or near-record volume was executed in every half-hour period. During the first two hours, 259 million shares were traded. Selling pressure was widespread, much of it from mutual funds who were dealing with expected redemptions, portfolio insurers who were switching from selling futures to selling stocks, and some index arbitrageurs. In addition, the large discount between futures and stocks acted as a billboard, worrying many investors that further declines were imminent. By 12.30 p.m., the Dow had fallen to just above 1,700. At this point, a number of exchanges closed trading temporarily. The CBOE suspended trading at 11.45 a.m. based on its rule that trading on the NYSE must be open in at least 80% of the stocks which constitute the options index it trades. At 12.15 p.m., 
The CME announced a trading suspension in reaction to individual stock closings on the NYSE and the rumor of the imminent closing of the NYSE itself. During Tuesday morning, the dynamics of trading in stocks and futures had become dysfunctional. The futures market was falling under selling pressure from portfolio insurers. Normally, the large discount would have attracted buyers. Under the current circumstances, however, some potential buyers were afraid of the credit risk perceived to exist in futures, and many stock investors were simply not authorized to buy futures. In addition, index arbitrage activity was limited because DOT was no longer available to some market participants. Because of the futures discount, those market professionals who could sell stocks did so. At the same time, the huge discount at which futures were selling made stocks look expensive and stifled buying demand in the stock market. The stock market drafted down in the wake of the futures market. The result was sell-side order imbalances in both markets, leading to the near disintegration of market pricing. Closing the futures market had a number of marked effects on the equity market. On the sell side, it disconnected most of the portfolio insurers from the market. On the buy side, there was no longer a cheap futures alternative to buying stocks. Finally, the negative psychology of the billboard effect was eliminated. The reaction of the stock market was dramatic. The Dow rallied 125 points in the next 45 minutes. When the futures market reopened, just after 1 p.m., it was still at a substantial 17-point discount to stocks. Many of the effects which had rallied the stock market were reversed. Portfolio insurers resumed selling futures and the stock market began drafting down again the Dow lost almost 100 points in the next half hour. By early Tuesday afternoon, the equity market was again in freefall and needed reassurance. This came from a series of announced stock buyback programs by major corporations. By committing to these programs, the corporations provided needed support for the future level of their stocks. The buying power represented by these announced programs would ultimately total over $6 billion by Tuesday evening. Around 2 p.m., the combined effect of buybacks already announced and those expected turned the equity market around. The Dow rallied 170 points between 2 p.m. and 3.30 p.m. After a decline in the last 30 minutes induced by program sales, the Dow closed with a net gain for the day of over 100 points, the largest gain on record. 
Although Monday was the day of the dramatic stock market decline, it was midday Tuesday that the securities markets and the financial system approached breakdown. First, the ability of securities markets to price equities was in question. The futures and stock markets were disconnected. There were few buyers in either market, and individual stocks ceased to trade. Investors began to question the value of equity assets. Second, and more serious, a widespread credit breakdown seemed for a period of time quite possible. Amid rumors, subsequently revealed to be unfounded, of financial failures by some clearinghouses and several major market participants, and exacerbated by the fragmentation and complexity of the clearing process, the financial system came close to gridlock. Intermarket transactions required funds transfers and made demands for bank credit almost beyond the capacity of the system to provide. Summary. Although the equity market's behavior during the week was complex and rich in detail, several important themes emerge. First, reactive selling by institutions, which followed portfolio insurance strategies and sought to liquidate large fractions of their stock holdings regardless of price, played a prominent role in the market break. By reasonable estimates, the formulas used by portfolio insurers dictated the sale of 20 to $30 billion of equities over this short time span. Under such pressure, prices must fall dramatically. Transaction systems, such as DOT, or market stabilizing mechanisms, such as the NYSE specialists, are bound to be crushed by such selling pressure, however they are designed or capitalized. Second, a few mutual funds sold stock in reaction to redemptions. To the market, their behavior looked much like that of the portfolio insurers, that is, selling without primary regard to price. Third, some aggressive trading-oriented investors, seizing the profit opportunity presented by the predictable forced selling by other institutions, contributed to the market break. Fourth, much of the selling pressure was concentrated in the hands of surprisingly few institutions. A handful of large investors provided the impetus for the sharpness of the decline. Fifth, as the figures showing intraday trading patterns make clear, futures and stock market movements were inextricably related. Portfolio insurers sold in the futures market, forcing prices down. The downward price pressure in the futures market was then transmitted to the stock market by index arbitrage and diverted portfolio insurance sales. While index arbitrageurs may not have accounted for a substantial part of total daily volume, they were particularly active during the day at times of substantial price movements. 
They were not, however, the primary cause of the movements. Rather, they were the transmission mechanism for the pressures initiated by other institutions. Finally, there were periods when the linkage between stock and futures markets became completely disconnected, leading to a freefall in both markets. The juxtaposition of a record 508-point decline on Monday and a record 102-point bounce-back on Tuesday suggests that these trading forces outstripped the capacity of market infrastructures. The over-the-counter market and foreign stock markets experienced concurrent declines. The dominant position of NYSE stocks made such a sympathetic reaction predictable. End of section four. Recording by Patrick McAfee, Merritt Island.